if you're not familiar with Adele, she's a she's an artist that has just gone. Her career just skyrocketed. I think she's just 22 years old now. But the album that that song was from was an album called 21, and. Uh, she wrote all the songs on the album after breaking up with her boyfriend. And, and when you listen to that music, it just hurts. And if you've ever been hurt by a lover, you know what that feels like. It just hurts. And uh, I, for me, I like music that makes you feel, you know. So uh, I enjoy listening to that music. But honestly, uh, that music is a little bit bitter. It just really is. And as a Christian, we are called to forgive if we want to be forgiven. And that's what this message series has been about. We're in week five of this message series on forgiveness. I'm calling it Off the Hook, How to Forgive Totally. And I'm so glad that you're here. Last week, we talked about not judging. And of course, if you, uh, if you pay attention at all to what people say online or, or, or whatever, uh, you know that people don't like to be judged. You hear this all the time. Don't judge me. And in fact, Jesus said, don't judge or you are going to be judged, right? And so we talked about that last week. But uh, the reality is there's parts of scripture that talk about a time in our lives when it is the right thing to judge. There's times when it's the right thing to judge. And so today we're going to talk about exactly when that time is. And when you leave today, I think you're going to have such clarity that you will never, ever again make a mistake between judging and not judging. Okay, that was a little bit of an exaggeration on my part, but it went right over your head. So uh, I do think that you'll learn a lot of stuff today. So I'm glad that you're here. Uh, But most weeks of this series, I've been wanting to bring you a story about forgiveness and somebody that can inspire you or give you... uh, can give you some hope that even though you might be hurting deeply because of something that's happened in your life, there really is a possibility of forgiving totally. And so I want to start off today with another story. And uh, this one is from a, a Christian artist by the name of Matthew West. And if you listen to Christian radio at all, you have heard uh, Matthew West's great song called forgiveness. And I don't know if you've heard the story, but the story about where this song comes from is really beautiful. And so I want you to take a look at this video and, and I hope it speaks to you as much as it has to me. Over the past few years, I've been on this journey of writing songs inspired by the real life stories that people sent to me. This one story in particular has had a profound impact on me. It hit me kind of hard. It's about a woman who did the impossible and it made me ask myself if I could do the same. Renee had four kids. Two of her daughters were twins. Megan was coming home from the beach one night with her best friend when their car was struck by a drunk driver named Eric, a 24-year-old kid. Megan lost her life. Eric killed both girls that were in the car. Renee lost her daughter in an instant. Next thing she knows, she finds herself in a courtroom watching this young man, this 24-year-old man, get sentenced to 22 years in prison. Renee wrote to me and said, I now have a mission that I never would have chosen. What she meant by that is that in the years that followed, she began to travel around to schools and churches and different functions, and she would speak about the dangers of drunk driving. But as the years progressed, she felt like something was missing from her presentations. And that's when God put it on her heart that she had not forgiven this man who took the life 
of her daughter. And so she reached out and did the impossible. She reached out to Eric in prison and said, I forgive you. The ripple effects of that act of forgiveness are still being felt today. That young man's life was absolutely changed because this woman forgave him. He said, I can't even forgive myself, and she forgave me. Eric said he found his eternal salvation as a result of this act. One by one, all of Renee's family members followed her lead, and they reached out and expressed forgiveness to Eric. So much so that now they describe Eric as part of their family, like a son to Renee. The story doesn't stop there, though. Renee went to the courts along with her family, and she was able to have Eric's sentence cut in half from 22 years to 11 years. This blew me away. And the reason she did it is so that Eric could have a second chance at life and so that he could join her in their presentations. She told me that now she shares not only about the dangers of drunk driving, but also about the power of forgiveness. Now, the story behind this song is from someone right here in our area. We're going to let her tell the story. She won't know you're here. Are you comfortable with hiding? I'm comfortable with hiding, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm nervous right <laughs> Me now. Me too, my balls are so She has no idea I'm here. Yeah, no. she doesn't. She doesn't even, and this is the thing, she, um, she has no idea that, that there's been a song written inspired by her story. I'm in another room waiting to go in there and surprise Renee. I can see her on a video screen. She has no idea I'm in the room right next. <laughs> and you submitted the story, I know, to uh, to Matthew West. It's a story that needs to be told right. because not for me. It's not about me. It's about God, and yeah. it's about forgiveness. And so I thought, well, I'm just going to chance this. And I sent it in, and I just prayed, you know, God, if this is supposed to happen, then I just, you know, hope that it will. You know, we know Matthew, and uh, he wrote a song about your story. No way. <laughs> Matthew has sent us the song because he wanted you to be one of the first people to hear it. <laughs> oh my God. Are you ready to hear it? Yes! It's called Forgiveness. It's called Forgiveness. Have you ever you ever seen him in concert or no, did you No, and I wanted to see him. I he was, you know, I tried to go see him when he was in West Palm because I thought that I would have a presentation down there and right. I thought During and the then story of course, of your you life know, tour? Yeah, yes. Uh, no, actually I don't know if it was the he, he he tried, you know, he's like right. um they sent out a thing if you're going to be in any of these cities and they were all too far away and then when he was right. at the uh, thing mm. in Orlando, I thought, well, I'm going to, you know, go see him, you know, then right. and I had to go present. So, so. you never could make the connection never with him could, personally. Never could. Never seen him. No. Turn around. <laughs> Where are you? Oh my God. <laughs> 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 
much better is it to live with a heart of forgiveness than it is to live with a heart full of bitterness and hatred and uh, ugliness? Don't you think forgiveness is better? And yet so often I think we are tempted to just unload on people. I know that I am, and I'm sure that you're no different than, than me. You know, this last week has been a tough week uh, for me and for so many of you, and Chris and I have been under a tremendous amount of pressure. And as, as the week wore on and as we got more and more tired, it was so easy for that fuse to ignite, right? And uh, I, I just felt like as the week wore on, I was just trying so hard not to be mean, you know? Have you ever been there with me? And, uh, and whenever, whenever we're offended, whenever something happens that hurts us, I think we want to be one of those people who rebukes sin. Have you ever wanted to do that? Uh, I'm going to rebuke you. You've sinned, so I'm going to rebuke you. After all, Jesus, didn't he? modeled for us the perfect example of rebuking when Satan or when when Peter said something that Jesus didn't like and he said get thee behind me Satan you know right good rebuke so if my wife hurts my feelings i just want to say to her get thee behind me <laughs> Satan Chris <laughs> just in case you're wondering that does not go well for me And it probably doesn't go well for you either. What do we do when someone is sinning, when somebody is doing something that's clearly wrong and it needs to be addressed? Last week we read a couple of verses from Matthew chapter 7 and I want to review those with you and then uh, go on in chapter 7 of Matthew to the next few verses. Jesus tells a parable about this very topic and it's, it will really help us to learn some things about judging, when we should and when we should not. Matthew chapter 7, it's up on the screen. You can follow along in in your Bibles if you'd like to. Uh, Jesus says this, Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. Boy, that's good news, right? Because I don't like to be judged. I don't like it when my wife says, Get thee behind me, Satan Russell. Okay? (laughs) Don't judge others and you will not be judged, for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And so we unpacked that last week. If you weren't with us, you're more than welcome to listen to our podcast online and uh, and catch up. But Jesus doesn't stop with saying, don't judge at all. He then goes on to give us some really important information and... uh, He tells a parable. A parable is just a story that illustrates a little bit what what he's trying to get across. And and so because stories need to be told by gifted storytellers, I invited a thespian to help me today tell this parable of Jesus. And so Casey, I'm going to ask you to come and help us hear this parable that Jesus tells. Mr. Luxinger. Mr. Luxinger? Luxinger. Is that Irish? Hope it's not Irish because, you know, can't trust the Irish. <laughs> German, you can't trust Germans, they start too many wars anyway. <laughs> so, um, I see by some of your history here that you uh, have come to us before. It's not for the male pattern baldness, is it? Because, you know, <laughs> bald is beautiful, it 
least for some people. <laughs> Uh, I gotta put gloves on because, uh, you know, I don't want to get any diseases from you. <laughs> so I understand you, uh, um, according to your chart, smoke a little bit. You know, smoking's bad for you. Especially if you get the wrong cigarette. Depends you find a little bit. A little bit? Well, I hear you drink a little bit too. Um, you know, drinking is, is wrong, especially in excess. Of course, uh, I'm a physician, so I know how far to push these kind of things. <laughs> One or two. One or two? One or two cases? One or three. One or okay, three. Well, you want one? Oh, wait a second, you're Irish. Right. You're mine. Right. <laughs> German. Oh, well, good beer. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> the physician school, they never tell you how to put on the gloves. But I understand you don't have to worry about that because you're just an electrician. associate with thespians, you might be taken for the wrong kind of people. <laughs> so, I got the perfect thing. Ah, you got something in your eye. Yeah. Not anymore. I can't see. But a log in my own gifts that he has. And according to uh, Matthew chapter 7, it goes on to state that why look for the speck or the splinter in your brother's eye when you have a log in your own? Or if you have a log in your own eye, you can't see the speck in your brother's eye. And then Jesus goes on to say that we are all hypocrites. For if we remove the log in our own eye, then we will be able to see enough to help our brother with the splinter in his eye. Thank you, guys. That really put it pretty plainly, didn't it? All right? But in case that wasn't clear enough, I brought props, okay? And uh, in, in, in your seat back in front of you or maybe on your seat when you came in, you found a little piece of wood, okay, and, and a piece of string. And this is what I'd like you to do. Take that out, would you? And uh, I need you to start by tying the string uh, solidly in the middle of your little piece of wood, all right? And... Uh, if you have any scouting experience, a square knot should be adequate. Uh, just secure your string around that piece of wood just like this. All right, how you doing? All right, some of you are a little slower than others. I'm sure Dr. Brian could find a way to ridicule your ethnic heritage as well. All right, now, uh, as soon as you've got your string secured to your little piece of wood... If you are like me and you're wearing glasses, take your glasses off. All right. And then what I would like you to do is take your piece of wood, just like this, and put it over your eye and tie it on. All right. Everybody working together. All right. Tie that piece of wood right over your eye. Beautiful. Now, mine has obscured the vision in my good eye as well as the bad one. All right, how are you doing? Doing good? All right. Look at somebody and say you've got a piece of wood in your eye. 
<laughs> All right, turn to somebody on the other side and say, you got a piece of wood in your eye. All right, now look at me, would you? Look at me. Now, while you have been messing with your wood, let me try that again. As you have been tying the object on your head, oh, this job is way beyond my skill level. While you were tying, I, I changed something about my appearance. Besides this, this plank in my eye, I changed something about my appearance. And if you've got a plank in your eye, you can answer this question, but if you are not participating like my friend Colt over here, um, if you're not participating, you're disqualified. But if you've got a plank in your eye, can you tell me what I have changed in the process? Nope, my sleeves were already rolled up. No, I, nope, I didn't unbutton my shirt and my glasses were off before I put the plank in my eye. Nope, I didn't have a tie on. Any other guesses? Nope, I had my shirt just like this. Anything? You missed it. You missed it. While you were, while you were at work, and, and this is how observant you were anyway, even without the plank, I took off my silver watch and put on a gold one with a leather strap right in front of you and you didn't even see me. Right? Why didn't you see because you've got a plank in your eye. Right? You've got a plank in your eye. Okay, take, take it off. Oh, mine's stuck. Ow. Okay, take that off. If you're wearing glasses, you can put your glasses back on. And if you're taking notes today, this is what I want you to write down on your note cards. And this is the whole point of this parable about the plank in your eye. This is the whole point, okay? The planks in our eyes cause poor eyesight. Okay, now we could all just say, duh, right? If you've got a plank in your eye, it causes poor eyesight. But it's not just that it's difficult to see with a plank in your eye, but according to Jesus, the plank does something really kind of quirky, and this is what you can jot down in your notes, all right? First of all, the planks in our eyes magnify the specks of dust in others, other people's eyes. It's like if I've got a plank in my eye, the dust in somebody else, Pastor Bruce, the dust in your eye just looks huge to me when I have a plank in my eye, okay? And, and that's just kind of a strange thing that happens. But secondly... It simultaneously blinds us to our own faults. Simultaneously blinds us to our own faults. So not only do we have poor eyesight, but this very strange things happen. This strange thing happens where we can see other people's faults like neon lights, but our own faults are practically invisible to us because we have a plank in our own eye. There's a simple word for this, and the word is fault-finding. 
Have you ever known somebody that just likes to pick at everybody's faults? They can always see somebody else's faults. And, and whatever it is that they've got wrong in their lives, they're going to point it out. And they're going to get on the phone. And they're going to call the prayer chain and say, pray for so-and-so because she's doing such and such. And, and it's all, you know, it all sounds really spiritual. But it's just finding fault. And according to Jesus, listen now. According to Jesus, the act of fault-finding is actually worse than the faults we think we see in other people. Why? Because we've got a log in our eyes. But if you read carefully the very end of that parable, if you've got your Bible still open, if you don't, that's okay, but if you read carefully the end of that parable, this is what Jesus seems to suggest, and you can write this down. It is okay to judge other people if we are able to completely remove the planks from our own eyes. You got that? It's okay for you to judge other people if you can completely remove the planks from your own eyes. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, that standard makes me feel like I don't ever want to judge anybody. Because I am painfully aware of my own faults. I'm painfully aware of my own weaknesses, of the, of the planks that are in my own eyes. And so it, it, it's, a, it's a standard that I take seriously when I think about going to somebody and saying, get thee behind me, Satan, Angela, okay? Or whoever it might be. It, it makes me really seriously consider, am I, am I qualified to do this? If you're studying along with us in the Total Forgiveness book that, that I'm encouraging you to read, uh, in this week's reading, there's a story uh, about a couple of deacons who are sent by their pastor to confront a man who is in an, an adulterous relationship. And as they're driving to this man's home to have a talk with him about his adultery, one of the deacons turns to the other one and says, do you think that this could ever happen to you? And the man says, no, I don't believe I would ever fall into that sin. And the first deacon said, then you're unqualified to have this conversation. And he turned the car around and drove back. Because we've got to be very serious. When, when we go to the point of beginning to judge someone or to confront sin or to rebuke someone, say, get thee behind me, Satan. Uh, we've got to understand we all are vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy. In Matthew 18, if you've got your Bibles, you can flip over a couple of chapters to Matthew 18. There's guidelines for what to do when a, a, a Christian brother or sister has fallen into sin. And, and, it, and it just says, uh, it gives us some really good practical advice. First of all, it says, go to them privately have a conversation one-on-one -on -one and say, look, I, I'm aware that this is a situation in your life and this is what the Bible says. I feel like I need to talk to you about it. And then Jesus says, if that doesn't work, if they don't repent, then take two or three others with you as witnesses, encourage them again. But the last thing you do is just spread the gossip all through the church, okay? There's a, a process that's appropriate. But probably the verse that I think is most relevant to this topic of when do we rebuke, when do we judge someone else, is in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. And it's up on the screen. And I would like you to just read this out loud with me. This is such an important verse to, for us to hear. 
Read this with me. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Is that good advice or what? Who should judge? People who are godly. How should they deliver the message? Gently and humbly. And what warning should we hear? Be careful that you don't fall into the same temptation yourself. It's important things for us to know. So let me wrap up this message today with two lists that I think will be helpful. And uh, if this is stuff that you need to hear and, and if you have a tendency to be judgmental and you fly off the handle, what I want to suggest you do is write these two lists down and tape them up on your bathroom mirror or, or put them on your steering wheel in your car somewhere where you're going to read these things and keep in mind when you can help someone remove a speck out of their eye and when you can't. And we're going to start with when you can't. All right, here we go. You can't help someone remove a speck out of their eye if your nose is out of joint, okay? And you know what I mean by that, right? If you're upset about something, if you're personally involved, if you've been wounded, that is not the time for you to go and say, help me remove the speck, because in all likelihood, you've got a plank in your own eye if your nose is out of joint. Secondly, you can't help remove the speck if you are personally or emotionally involved, you just don't have enough perspective. You don't have enough uh, uh, perspective. That's the word. Thirdly, you can't help remove the speck if your desire is to punish or get even. I can't overemphasize this enough. You can't go to somebody and say, you're in sin and I'm going to rebuke you if you want them to suffer and, and, and be punished and, and you want to get even. Listen, I've had this conversation so many times the last few weeks as we've been talking about this forgiveness thing. Here's how God deals with us. Because of the sacrifice of Jesus and because he has forgiven us of our sins, God is not a God who punishes us. Punishment has been taken away. That's a good place for you all to say amen. Okay? Do you understand that? God isn't up in heaven looking at you, waiting for you to screw up so he can zap you with lightning. That's not the God of the Bible. Now, occasionally, or maybe even often, when we sin, when we do something wrong, we suffer consequences. And the Bible says when that happens, what that is, it's the discipline of the Lord. And discipline isn't the same as punishment. Punishment is about suffering and getting even. Discipline is about guiding you back onto the right course. And so the problem with us is we like to punish and get even. If we hurt because of what somebody has done to us, we like to make them hurt too, right? But listen, that's a log in your eye. And you can't dig a speck out of somebody else's eye if you want to punish or get even. Here's number four. You can't help remove a speck if there's envy or jealousy in your heart. That's a log in itself. And then finally, you can't help remove a speck if your own self-esteem is related. If you feel like less of a person because you're intimidated by this person or, or uh, 
if for some reason you just don't feel um, good about yourself because of this person, whatever it is, their behavior, whatever, you are not in a place to remove the speck out of their eye. But now here's the list for when you can help. And, and I, I mean this all in all seriousness. There are times when it's important for us to confront sin. The Bible is very clear. Uh, you who are godly should go and attempt to get these people back on the right track. Galatians 6 verse 1, right? So here's the scenario for helping somebody remove a speck. Number one, if you are meeting a need, and need is in all capitals, Do you remember last week what need represents? Uh, If it's necessary, if it will encourage, if it will edify, and if it will dignify the other person. If those four criteria are met, then you can perhaps help them remove the speck. I'll say that again. Need represents necessary, encouraging, edifying, and dignifying. You can help remove a speck. Secondly, you can help remove a speck if it would be irresponsible not to remove a speck. If it would be irresponsible not to remove a speck. And I think you understand what I'm saying. Sometimes people's sins and their, the way they violate other people rises to the level that we have to protect our community from these people. And it means perhaps reporting them to the authorities or whatever it is, putting a stop, an end to abuse and to mistreatment and and to let it go on and on and on would be irresponsible. Then you need to speak up and do something about that grievance. Thirdly, if you've been asked to step in by a responsible person who has no agenda. That wouldn't fit on your note cards, but that's the rest of that sentence. If you have been asked to step in, not by an angry, bitter wife who doesn't like what her husband's doing, okay? But if you've been asked to step in by a responsible person who has no agenda, but to restore this person to right living, then you can help remove a speck. Fourthly, if you are utterly impartial, If you're utterly impartial, you don't feel agitated or annoyed. If you're absolutely, if you can really be honest with yourself and say, I have no agenda here, then you might be qualified to help remove a speck from somebody's eye. And then finally, you're qualified to help remove a speck if nothing matters more to you than the honor of God. If you can honestly say that about yourself, that you are concerned about the honor and reputation of God, and therefore I want to help guide somebody into righteous living. I want to help someone repent of sin, and I want to do it for the glory of God. Not to punish or get even or make myself feel more spiritual or better, but it's for the honor and glory of God. Then you are qualified to help remove a speck. So believe it or not, it's okay for us to judge in the right circumstances, right? Do you want to just say that after me? It's okay to judge in the right circumstances. But you've got to take the plank out of your own eye before you can help remove the speck out of your brother's eye. Next week, I'm going to be uh, talking about, um, help me out, Terry, what's the last slide? Now I've lost the topic. Oh, forgiving and forgetting. Next week, I'm going to be talking about... 
<laughs> Sorry, Terry. I'm going to be talking about the art of forgiving and forgetting. Some of you have asked me, are you going to talk about how to forgive yourself? That's next week. Some of you have asked me about how do I deal with being angry and bitter at God? That's next week. I told you in week one that it's impossible to forgive and forget, right? But there's an art, and there's, there's a way that you can develop a skill to let go of the past in, in somebody else's life, but also in your own life. And those of us that have developed a heart that is angry at God because of something that you feel like he has done or not done, you really can let it go, and I hope that you'll be here next week. Let me give you four next steps real quickly, and then we're going to sing that great song by Matthew West, Forgiveness, just before we uh, break up today. Uh, first of all, if you're reading along with us in the Total Forgiveness book, this week is chapter five. I hope you'll read with us if you've got the book. And then secondly, uh, I believe that if we're going to change our behavior, we have to change the way we think. So a memory verse that you can uh, commit to memory this week is Galatians 6.1, and I printed it out in your notes, so it's right there for you, and we said that out loud. And then let me tell you, uh, I have listened to this song by Matthew West, Forgiveness, so many times this week. Uh, I, I don't know how he got seven weeks of my sermons into one four-minute song, but he did it, okay? <laughs> Listen to this song. Uh, you can find it on YouTube or any of the free music sites if you don't want to buy it. But I want to suggest to you that if you need to learn the art of forgiveness, this is a way to change the way you think. Get the lyrics of this song into your mind and your heart, and you're going to find that you begin to behave differently. God's word is powerful and effective. And so that's why I encourage you to do this. And then lastly, number four, I hope you'll come back next week as we talk about the art of forgiving and forgetting.